You can see from the sermon title that we have an interesting subject today, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Some Christians love to talk about this subject. Presbyterians tend not to dwell on this so much, not to give so much emphasis to the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's the day when the earth and the heavens become one and everything becomes full of God's presence and light. We transition fully into the new heaven and the new earth that God promises. It happens the great and terrible day of the Lord. In all my years of preaching, even with that line from the Apostles' Creed that says, He will come to judge the quick and the dead, I've only preached on this topic a few times. And guess what? I've never said anything like, turn or burn. (laughs) I've never said anything like, get right or get left behind. That kind of understanding about the great and terrible day of the Lord is, in my judgment, not helpful or appropriate. Presbyterians have been more inclined to focus on God's grace and then on our calling, empowered by God's grace, to live into and work for the coming reign of the Lord. And we do this generally without dire threats of turning or burning. Presbyterians are also rightly cautious of the certitude that can often come with who we want to be left behind. So we need to be careful as we dance around this subject. But the great and terrible day of the Lord is all through Scripture. It's mentioned many times by many prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus even has some clear and harsh and frightening words about this topic. God's judgment. So it's important to give this some attention. Especially when it comes as the lectionary text for today. I want to begin today with some simple reminders just to help us. You know what the first book of the Bible is, right? Genesis, right. Genesis reminds us about the beginning of the world. And the main point is God creates all things. Genesis wants us to know from the very beginning that the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the earth. And then God spoke and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God speaks and creation emerges out of nothing. That's laid out in Genesis chapter 1. Those opening verses of the Bible want to confirm something for us that is very important. God is the source of all life. It's not so much about how creation happened. It's not so much about when creation happened. It is absolutely about one thing. Who brought about the beginning of the world? It is God. God creates. That's how the Bible begins, with the who. Then we get to the end of the Hebrew Scriptures, the end of the Old Testament. Do you know the name of the last book in the Old Testament? It is Malachi. 
Malachi, and we have a reading today from Malachi chapter 4. These words from Malachi are actually the very final words of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. Turn the page from chapter 4 of Malachi, and you have the gospel according to Matthew and the story of Jesus and, and God's fulfilling promises through Jesus as the story continues. So listen now. Or read along, because it's in the bulletin, the final words from the Old Testament from Malachi 4, verses 1 through 6. See, see the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and the evildoers will be stubble. That The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the teaching of my servant Moses, the statutes and ordinances that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. This is the word of the Lord. Malachi, a spokesman from God, a spokesman of God, a prophet of God, lived around 450 B.C. So that's several centuries before Jesus. But remember, life begins with God. God speaks and there's light. God speaks and this long history unfolds from Genesis all the way through 2,000 years or so. And then we get to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. When Malachi comes on the scene around 450 B.C., take a guess at what's happening. It seems that God's people were living mesmerized in the present moment with no real sense of what was important and nothing but indifference to everything except the most, most mundane and unimportant. No sense of what's important. What do you think that looks like? All through the Bible, it keeps happening. The people lose the sense of what is important. Usually, it has to do with forgetting God's actions that brought them through the past. Didn't God show up when you had that crisis? Didn't you call on God's name and things worked out and there was a way when there was no way? Usually, getting lost in the unimportant also has to do with not worshiping or trusting God in the present. And usually, it means tr not trusting God and God's promises for the future that is ours. What was happening? Well, people had turned from their upward and outward posture of worshiping and serving God inward to selfishness and indifference toward others to their own particular concerns. 
Isn't that always our tendency? All to a life in covenant with God who creates the whole world. Call to care for this beautiful creation that God gives us. Call to compassion and love and support for others, yet we become inclined toward ourselves and our personal preferences. Call to trust God with everything that happens around us and to live in God's bountiful promises and blessings that are all over us, sustaining us. We seem to prefer anxious lives that ignore God and ignore God's commands for us. Actually, around the year 450 B.C., in and around Jerusalem, the people had been restored for almost 100 years following the terrible destruction and exile by the Babylonians. They had been restored back in and around Jerusalem. The people had peace and tranquility. The temple, once totally destroyed, had been rebuilt and rededicated to God. Life, land, peace, temple, long promised by God. And what happens? What happens? It's not faith and fortitude that emerges. It's faithlessness and indifference. It's not worshiping God and promoting God's light and love in the world. The people were seemingly mesmerized by selfishness and slothfulness. They had forgotten God's unending grace, and they were teased into thinking that there's no accountability to life. We can do whatever we want. Nothing was more important than whatever we wanted to do. And we keep on struggling with this, don't we? We often are mesmerized into the belief that life is life. My life is my life. Your life is your life. And we can do whatever we want whenever we want. The earth is ours, and we can use it up just how we please. Wealth is ours, and we can do whatever we want with our wealth. Power is to be gained or grown no matter who is trampled. It's always about ourselves or our tribe or our brand of politics, or our race, or our nation. And we think that's what matters the most. It's what happens to all of us. And then comes Malachi's message. For the people around Jerusalem, and also for us in 2022. Here comes Malachi's message. It is a grave misperception to think that the earth is ours and not the Lord's. It is dangerous to assume that we can do whatever we want without consequences. And there's no accountability to God. There is. Malachi says, See, the day is surely coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord. Malachi says, The great and terrible day of the Lord comes. There's several things to say about this great and terrible day. First, we should be open and receptive to this promise from Malachi and others. We should be open and receptive to the idea that God has the last word about everything. See, the Bible spends lots of energy trying to show us that God is the source of life 
And the Bible has many references to the idea that God actually completes life. God has the first word and God has the last word. God is the beginning and God is the ending. As you've heard me repeat many times, some of my favorite passages from Scripture, especially from Romans, when we live, we live to the Lord. When we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. No matter if it's a good season or if it's a bad season of our lives, God holds us. This is the promise. This is worth trusting. This is a framework for our living. It's meant to shape everything about us. Life comes from God. Life has a purpose as we love God and love what God loves, as we trust God and serve God in the world. And life ends with God, our individual lives and the world's life. It ends with God, all enfolded into God's abiding care. Indeed, nothing can separate us from God's love. That's the promise. This is why we baptize babies. This is why we gather and commend our loved ones to God when they die. Because whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. God has the first word and God has the last word for each of us. No matter where we might find ourselves in life and in death, God reigns. God is the creator and the completer. This is the powerful and important framework into which we're called to live. Second, the coming day of the Lord, this great and terrible day, there's great comfort in knowing that God has the final say on all those people in all those circumstances where evil and arrogance seem to prevail. Malachi says all the arrogant evildoers will be stubble. The day comes and it shall burn them up, says the Lord. Think about that. All the people and all the evil that seem to win will be made right. All the tragedies and all the travesties, all the vicious and mean, both people and circumstances that we cannot even understand, that degrade human life that feels so brutal and feels so wrong, will be stubble. That's why it's both great and terrible, evil. Both people and systems will be no more. The manipulative, the malicious, the oppressive, the brutal will be burned up. At the day of the Lord, the great and terrible day, there will be a collapse of our selfishness and our self-centeredness. No more. There will be a collapse of pecking orders and barriers that secure us at other people's expense. There will be a collapse of the terrible practice of living in wealth that costs so much for other people, the poor, the world, where arrogance and evil seem to be so normative, it'll, be, it'll come tumbling down. The familiar way that asks, what can I get away with? What can I get away with? We ask this in our communities. We ask this in Congress. We ask this in elections. We ask this in business. We ask this in the environment. We ask this in our world affairs. What can we get away with? that will come crashing down. Malachi wants us to know that God completes all things. God makes all things right. 
So we take heart and we trust in God and we seek to align our lives with God. All that is arrogant and evil will be judged by God. It will be a great day because the terrible, everything that is terrible will fall away, including whatever is terrible that's a part of us. Our lives. Life is accountable to God. That's the message. All of life, including our lives. And then third, these words are not just about that day down there that's going to come in some epic age that we can't even see. That great and terrible day is not about the future. It is about the present. It intends to shape life in the present in 450 B.C. and in November of 2022. Think about, think about it like this. If God creates the world and brings life and blessing, this should determine how we live in the world. As good stewards of God's creation, as co-creators with God in the beauty and the wonder of the world. And if God also completes all things about the world, then we want to live with God, aligning our lives with God, working for God's purposes, not our own, walking with God in compassion, in kindness, for peace, for justice, because God has the last word. It should change how we live. That great and terrible day of the Lord. It should change the present. This past week, two things unfolded for me that give me a clear lens with which to understand the great and terrible day of the Lord. On Thursday of this week, a busload of us, many from this congregation, from others in the community, took a bus ride to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. If you've not been, you should plan to go. If you've been, I hope you'll go back soon because there's so much there to inspire and challenge and convict and correct all of us. The main exhibit in this museum begins deep in the dark basement and in the dark times on the African continent in the 15th century as people were snatched from their families, their life, their culture, stuffed into ships and carried to slave life in far-off places. The hallways of this exhibit carry you through the dark and terrible days, visiting various locations around our country where slave life was so prevalent and impactful. The hallways carry you through the struggles and the setbacks, through the centuries and all the way to the present where African-American life and culture has made such a tremendous and positive impact in this land. There's so many emotions that emerge from the museum. The horror and the shame, the evil and the brutality against our African-American sisters and brothers are so palpable as you move through the hallways. There's also the fortitude and the faith, the beauty, and the amazing gifts of African-American culture bringing so much positive to our common life 
even as the horror and the shame are mixed with the gratitude and the joy for African-American culture, I find great and sincere comfort. The great and the terrible day of the Lord has the final say over every soul, every incident, every chapter of this history God creates and God completes. And that means all the good and evil, the horrific and the beautiful, somehow it'll be enfolded into God's abiding judgment, grace, care, and love. We hold on to that. And it should change how we live in the present. The other event this week, Ginger and I spent a rainy Friday afternoon in the movie theater watching the movie Till, which is the painful and beautiful journey of Mamie Bradley. Mamie Bradley was Emmett Till's mother, and Emmett Till, you recall, when he was 14 years old, was lynched by white racists in Mississippi in 1955. The movie depicts the deep levels of hatred and injustice, along with the amazing grace and fortitude of Mamie Bradley, the mother. Mamie says this, I used to just think about me and my boy. Now I realize God is calling me to more. And what she was talking about was a journey toward a better society, a journey of justice and fairness for all of America. Again, I take great comfort The great and terrible day of the Lord reminds us that God, the creator of the universe, the author of love and life and hope, also completes everything. Every evil will be brought to justice and every soul is accountable to God and no one is forgotten. You can't hide behind your masks or your hoods or your lies or your racism, or anything else that you want to come up with, God knows. God creates, God completes, and we're accountable to God. The great and terrible day of the Lord. It should change how we live. All is made right in God's good time and judgment. When we know about the great and terrible day of the Lord, friends, it's not for us to assume how everything might unfold. We might simply hear the words of the great leader, John Lewis. What are you doing? You got to keep on. What are you doing? Can't slack off. We have to keep serving God. We have to keep on as God's devoted people, doing justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with God. We cannot offer to God offerings that cost us nothing. We offer God our lives. We offer God our gifts. And we keep committing our lives to loving and serving God because God creates and God completes all things. God loves us and God claims us and God calls us to action. Keep going. Keep on. All of life, accountable to God, 
And we always seek to become what God calls us to be. The great and terrible day of the Lord. When we know God has the last word, we know what we are all to do. Love God. Love others as we love ourselves. Keep on. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. You love us, God. You give us life. You claim us in baptism. You keep showing us the way to love and serve. Empower us by your Spirit to be the people you call us to be, always accountable to you, always moving our lives, our community, our world closer to your promised reign in Christ our Lord. Amen.